Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take those extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and defender of those beautiful droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am Pirate Jedi Anders Drew. While we vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing will always remain constant. Much to learn, we still have. Indeed. This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Today, we're diving into the final episodes of season one, episodes 13, 14, and 15, titled Call to Action, Rebel Resolve, and Fire Across the Galaxy. Great names for episodes. Mm -hmm. I love Fire Across the Galaxy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And this may have been the hardest one this season to do so far, but we have scrambled our signature so that we are not spoiling future episodes of Rebels. But that being said, Flo will be here eventually, so I am throwing in an adult content warning for the younglings. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So without further ado, let's hop aboard that beautiful ghost and head to the fall to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Colleen, could you punch it and open up that first holocron for us? Darn right I can. Our first holocron is the Journal of the Wills, in which we give kind of like the plot of the episodes, the synopsis, the summary. And our first is Call to Action. It begins with the arrival of Grand Moff Tarkin himself to Lothal. He doesn't waste any time in giving Minister Tua and Agent Callus a major dressing down for allowing the rebel cell to flourish right under their noses. Whoops! Only six people, you guys. What are we doing here? Tua informs Tarkin that their leader is a Jedi, and Tarkin turns up his nose at the Grand Inquisitor's failed efforts. Like, really? Seriously full of himself. Like, let, let's just be real right off the bat. Oh yeah, Tarkin thinks his stuff don't stink, ever. ever. He also doubts that a Jedi is even involved. Ugh. As if I was like another so Jedi. five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not like we killed them all. Oh wait, <laughs> we totally did. Meanwhile, our favorite rebels are stealing a crate of supplies and are pursued by Commandant Aresto and Taskmaster Grant 
poor guys. After a high-speed chase, our favorite team eventually eliminates the pursuers and returns to the ghost. Senator Gal Travis, our betrayer, is on the holonet proclaiming his allegiance to the Empire and denouncing our rebel crew. Kanan comes up with a plan, though, to broadcast their side of the story. Love this yeah, I do want to kind of ask about this, though. Like, the Gal Travis ends up being back in the Empire. Does it make sense that they would let him do that? Or would he have just been like executed off site and no one would have been the wiser? I mean, we don't hear about him again. <laughs> <laughs> he might have recorded this thinking he was safe. And then they're like, you're either dead or we're throwing you in prison somewhere. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Could be the same thing that happened to Leia's senator friend in Bloodline, something similar to that. Yeah. Like, no, we're just going to toss you away where no one can ever find you again. So he's either dead or he's in a terrible, terrible place. I think it was smart of the Empire to make him flip sides publicly, though, first. How freaking clever. Yep, that's a hope destroyer right there. That's what they're all about doing, especially in these episodes. Speaking of hope destroyers, we're going back to Tarkin. He orders (laughs) the Inquisitor to kill Oresko and Grint for their failures. He full-on decapitates them. This is a kid's show. He then warns that failure is no longer tolerated and sends probe droids out. One of which, of course, spots Ezra, Sabine, and Kanan, who were doing their little recon mission on the communications tower. They flee, but despite Ezra's best efforts, he's using the force, guys. He's making a connection with a loath cat that attacks the probe droid. It's a great one. The probe droid still sees them drive away. What I love about this is both Sabine and Kanan are like, what are we supposed to do? I'm not sure what to do right now. And Ezra just very coolly and calmly uses the force. I mean, that was just a perfect use of his training. I absolutely love this moment. Even though though the probe droid spots them, I think it was a well-done, well-played effort by Ezra. 100%. It also doesn't explain the presence of the speeder bikes, but... right. But we don't need to worry about that. just parked right there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> this, though, their plan has worrying Ezra. He is concerned that something's going to happen to his new family if they go through with the broadcast, the message plan. Later that night, the crew manages to break into the communications tower, but it's a trap. It's always, <laughs> always a trap. A, always a damn trap. Mm. Kanan stays behind, of course, to hold back the Imperials, while Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper escape in the Phantom with Hera. Kanan is captured. Fortunately, though, their message is broadcast across space with Ezra urging people of Lothal to rise up against the Empire. So as they're all trying to fly away from the communications tower, Tarkin orders it destroyed. Like full-on just destroys his own Imperial property. It's fine. It's like the Well, old- you know, I mean, because he knows how to win wars. That's why he knows yeah, how to I mean, if we're if we're if we're gonna take Rogue One Tarkin as as a model here, that this is a pretty standard. Oh yeah, he knows that they can just rebuild and they can figure out a system to communicate. But at this point, he has to destroy that before the message reaches any farther into space. Yeah, did it just go? I know we have conjecture in the cantina later, but I don't want to forget about it. Was it just broadcast to Lethal, or it seemed to go further than Lethal? Right? It went further. It, it probably. I don't know if it would have gone outside the outer rim, but it at least was. Going it made to it. Systems. It made it to the like the neighboring systems at least on its mm-hmm. live, okay. and then I would assume that someone had recorded it, and we're continuing to kind of black market yep. broadcast beyond that. Oh yeah, we know how Love the internet it. works. 
<laughs> Once it's out there, it's out there. You're like, oh, this seems interesting. Rebroadcast, rebroadcast. Yes. All those pirate radio people. So after Kanan is captured and the tower is destroyed and they're not sure how far their message got, Ezra asks Hera if it was all worth it. And Hera assures him that the fight isn't over. Bum, bum, bum. Such a great way to end an episode. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, such a great moment. So then that gets us right into Rebel Resolve. Um, it's time to rescue Kanan. They are determined they are going to rescue Kanan. At the market, the ghost crew hijack an ATDP walker to try and hack the Imperial data network to find out where Kanan is being held. But since Tarkin destroyed that whole communications tower, the entire network is actually down. So the crew is pursued by other walkers. Fortunately, Hera comes in to rescue them. Hera receives word from Fulcrum, getting a lot of uh, Fulcrum little transmissions throughout these last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets confirmation that the transmission they sent out was indeed widely heard by both civilians and Imperials. Fulcrum orders. Gets her rip slapped too for it. Like it's yeah, a... she really does. Like like you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Here we actually. This is the one of the first real interactions with Fulcrum that we've seen Hera have and Fulcrum is saying that your mission was to cause trouble but lay low this is not laying low right and now you have to go into hiding for your own safety sorry about Kanan but it's it's him or the rest of you right now so Fulcrum does actually order that they straight up abandon the rescue mission for Kanan um Ezra, of course, refuses and defies Fulcrum and Hera's orders. So this was just a great thing where we weren't really sure how far along in the plan we were until Ezra and Sabine just like straight up tell Zeb, by the way, you're sitting here with us and we're on a mission to rescue Kanan. Chopper's <laughs> his part. <laughs> Hope you're in. <laughs> Hope you're in because we're already halfway there. So they have Chopper distract Hera somewhat successfully while Ezra, Sabine, and Zeb steal the Phantom and head out to find Visago, hoping he's going to have some information for them on where Kanan might be held. Visago doesn't want to help until Ezra offers him that little tidbit that actually Ezra and Kanan are Jedi. It's just a little tidbit, just a teeny, tiny a little bit of info. One of you my know that thing that Kanan said stops and like turns and is like, what? <laughs> You know, <laughs> that thing that uh, Kanan and the pilot was like, I'm about to give the whole game away. <laughs> Ezra is just like, yeah, we're Jedi. Here, here, here's Intel. Yeah. Um, he then, of course, Ezra actually proves it with some little force telekinesis. And Visago says that the information about Kanan's whereabouts may be stored on a courier droid, which the Empire is using in lieu of the communications network. They're actually sending droids with messages. Don't you think, though, let me just ask, wouldn't you think that they would have already been able to deduce that by themselves or no? That they'd been like, using courier that droids? Zago and them? Yeah. That Kanan and Ezra are Jedi or that they're using courier droids? That they're using courier droids. Because I was wondering how actually helpful is Vizago's information here? Because it seems like a shot in the dark. It pretty much is. I mean, it's just a lead. I don't think they can get close enough to the cities right now for them to actually know what the Empire is doing to 
get around the communications problem because they didn't know until they got into the walker that mm-hmm. there was an issue. But at the same, I mean, this. But gets at the same into... time, it's probably a protocol that is in place. Yeah, but at, then Sabine should have known that that's what. That's it was. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, maybe we ignore this little plot hole, but it just seemed kind of like what. Well, I mean, the entire fact that they're using courier droids too kind of is a little strange to me. I I mean, if their Wi-Fi is down, I refuse to believe that the Empire and all of their ships don't have some kind of Bluetooth for like, right for like right. shorter ship to ship communications. It, whole whole deal. I mean, it's plot mechanics. It's making the episode work. Yeah, <laughs> make it work, people. Make it work. Just make Chopper it work. couldn't get painted if this wasn't exactly. Painted. Chopper wouldn't get painted and look just so fly. Just yeah, these so are not the this. plot holes you are looking for. <laughs> anyway, the crew heads back to Hera, who has figured out what the heck they're doing and realized what Ezra has done, and so she is furious. But outnumbered by their desire to save Kanan, Hera reluctantly says, all right, we're going to go with it. We're going to help. Now, while all this is going on, on Tarkin's Star Destroyer, the Sovereign, Kanan is being interrogated, read, tortured. Um, But he doesn't reveal anything. Also further proving Hera's point that you can't reveal anything if you don't know anything. But Tarkin says that there is a way to get information from him that has never failed. He is going to get transferred to Mustafar, the system which will produce the desired results. Ominous. (laughs) Ominous. So the crew of the Ghost devise a plan to disguise Chopper as a courier droid so that he can get information about Kanan's whereabouts. And of course, it works. Chopper signals for the Ghost crew to come pick him up, and he jettisons himself and some sword troopers out into space for pickup. So good. Just some light murder. It's fine. <laughs> you know, we're not actually sure it's murder. We don't know what happened to them. That's we don't true. know the, uh, the efficacy of those stormtrooper outfits. They discover Kanan is on his way to Mustafar, and Hera reveals that the only thing she knows about the planet is that Kanan revealed to her that it's where Jedi go to die. Talk about ominous. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum, bum. And then this is it. Fire Across the Galaxy, the season finale. Can you believe it? Season one. So on the gr- ghost, the crew discuss how to infiltrate the Sovereign and rescue Kanan. They decide to use the TIE fighter Ezra and Zeb stole so many episodes ago, now decked out in Sabine's art style. And awesome. they fill it with, yeah, so flipping awesome. And they <laughs> fill it with grenades to take out the ship's power. Meanwhile, the Grand Inquisitor continues to torture Kanan and taunt him about his master Dipablava's death during Order 66. Rude much. Yeah, that was awful. Once the rebels infiltrate Tarkin's Star Destroyer, Ezra is forced to separate from the crew to rescue Kanan alone, and Chopper calls Fulcrum for help, which is kind of incredible that Chopper knew, like... The phone yeah, number to call quick, Fulcrum. Yeah, that's pretty quick confirmation. Impressive. Does Chopper call Fulcrum or just Fulcrum happen to call the ship? And I Chopper think explains. Chopper ca- calls Fulcrum, but maybe I, I I'm thinking. I think forgetting. he called her. I think. I mean, she could have been calling to check in because yeah. it's like, I cannot trust these people. <laughs> They're totally <laughs> going to go try and rescue him. <laughs> well, it either, ways. <laughs> yeah, either way, potato, potato. Ezra is able to save Kanan, but they are stopped by the Inquisitor who begins 
truly an epic lightsaber duel. Yes. During the battle, Kanan believes Ezra has been slain and fights with greater vigor. He eventually destroys the Grand Inquisitor's lightsaber and the villain falters and falls, clinging to the platform. Before letting go, the Inquisitor warns, quote, there are things far worse than death. Interesting mantra for a dark side user. Right? Very interesting. He's like, I'm just going to dive right into this explosion that's happening below me because I don't want to know what's going to happen next. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Ezra reunites with Kanan and they steal the Inquisitor ship and rejoin their family, who is stranded in space without Chopper. Tarkin evacuates the Sovereign, which is quickly falling apart. As the Ghost crew begin to reckon with the futility of escape, Chopper returns with the transport. Hera reunites with Kanan and they receive a message from Bail Organa, smooth operator. They are one of many rebel cells fighting the Empire. Fulcrum descends from the ghost and introduces herself as Ahsoka Tano. What? <laughs> like, what? Wild. Back to Tarkin, who arrives on Lothal to meet with Agent Callus, who tells him that there is an imminent insurrection as the people of Lothal believe that the Empire is weak. Tarkin assures Callus that, that all is not lost because the Emperor has sent a new solution. <sighs> Darth Vader himself. Oh, man. (laughs) Without further ado, let's head to that second holocron, the will of the force. For this holocron, we'll be exploring the theme and themes for today's episodes. Um, Anders, why don't you start it off with what we thought our theme for episode 13 was? Yeah, this episode, it really thematically pairs well with episode 12, where we saw that Gal Travis was a total douchebag. Um, but here we see we've learned a lot about Ezra's parents. We've learned about what that they were willing to sacrifice, what they were willing to risk. And here we see Ezra ultimately take up that mantle and stand up, I think, is the main theme from mm-hmm. this. He steps up, he speaks out, his message gets broadcast, and he encourages people to not only stand up, but stand up together. Together. That they are strongest when they are one. This is something that we see throughout fantasy storytelling. I mean, this is that final battle in Rise of Skywalker. There are more of us. That there are more of us, and that they're, if you're just people, all you have to do is stand up together. It's the end, it's the final battle in Harry Potter. The book didn't really come through as well in the movie. One of my pet peeves, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) But just that idea that if enough people stand up, it is it is exactly what the Empire is going to fear, that people will realize that they are not alone. And I think not to skip episode 14, but why don't we talk about episode 15 first? Because kind of what you're talking about is the theme for episode 15 hope rekindled this Mm -hmm. idea that you aren't alone that the fight is worth fighting that there are more of us out there than just one lonely cell but also defeating one villain brings a stronger one out of the shadows so i'm really excited to be talking about season two it's just like hunger man he cut off one head (laughs) the brighter the candle the darker the shadow Ooh, ooh. don't mind that Colleen, why don't we talk about episode 14 and the series theme as kind of a whole? Yes, 
Yes. So our series theme for this week is the value of sacrifice and the chosen family. So in Rebel Resolve, they have Rebel Resolve to go and save Kanan, no matter what is in their way. They're, they have to improvise pretty much the entire time. And that's what the ghost crew is really good at. However, this brings up the point that Fulcrum makes, like Kanan's one person, even if he is a Jedi, you still have to prioritize yourselves and Ezra, who is basically the hope of the new Jedi who would be coming. It's how do you choose the mission over a person? Like right. how, how can you choose the mission over someone who is your family, especially with Hera? Like their reunion at the end of episode 15 so... is so not a friend reunion, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a friend reunion yeah and that ain't just friendship they give each other and how the other crew members are kind of like oh maybe they're going to admit something now no not not right now <laughs> but, not yet it's star wars <laughs> not yet. but it's still like this is her her person like her chosen person and she does prioritize the mission eventually over him it kind of goes back to that old star trek saying to anders from mm -hmm. wrath of khan the needs of many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, which then of course gets turned back on the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. And it, it, it's really hard to settle on what's the right choice here. I think they did, rescuing Kanan was important, but they all could have died. Like they had a lot of lucky breaks. Absolutely. Yeah. Done this. Like Ezra almost did die. He's got scars now. So it's like, he's got the, what is it? It's like the three right here. Yeah, he's got the little, the little scratchies from. <laughs> I know he's only 15. Favorite. Let's ignore that for a minute. A man with scars is a very good thing. Yes. Well, when we get to adult Ezra, I'm sure he will look damn sexy. With yeah, the there we go. <laughs> <laughs> he will look great. But they also I... get into this. They also really get into this idea of truly the value of a sacrifice, right? They. Hera and, Hera and Ezra actually have the conversation out where Ezra is like, Kanan would risk everything to save all of us. And Hera's like, he he just did. He did. Right. He made like, his choice. That, we're already past that point. <laughs> right. Choices made. Yeah. And then, of course, Kanan's like, you should not have come here. But I'm really glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Torture is not fun, especially when you have freaking Callus is there and he's the least of your worries. If Callus is the least of your worries, it's something has gone horribly wrong. Oh, God. Just not great. This part, too, the fascism and hope angle for overarching themes for the show. The right. threat of hope. Like, hope isn't necessarily a good thing for people. What does it mean for the Empire if citizens have hope? It was very spooky to me he to hear Tarkin talking about hope because we're so used to hearing rebels talking about hope and it being this powerful, uplifting thing. But hearing Tarkin use that precious four-letter word was just like blasphemy on his lips. It was. It also, it reminded me a lot of um, getting into something that I think Flo has done a few times throughout these episodes is draw the parallels up, up to the Hunger Games. Yes. Because that's the one that I, it's the only one I can think of where the, the fascists actually talk about using hope and manipulating it, really. Mm, mm -hmm. Right? Instead of trying to squash it. It's the only thing stronger than fear. Right. Now, the Empire has, like, 
kind of done that a little bit with their with several of their traps, Luminara, Galtravis, and using them as like central beacons of hope to kind of draw people in. But right. to see Tarkin just be like, nope, we're not doing that. We're going to go with fear and that's it. Yeah. And Vader at the end is the absolute embodiment of fear. So. In multiple mm. ways. They're going to wake up and choose violence, you guys, for season two. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Oh, Anders, why don't we head on to that third holocron? You want to kick us off? Absolutely. So for the third holocron, we're going to talk about the galaxy's populace. This is where we get into the characters and relationships showcased in this week's episodes. Now, starting off with some of the big characters, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with that lovely... Well, Grandma maybe, not, maybe not lovely, lovely but <laughs> lovely. Very refined, let's say, Grandma Tarkin. Yes, and correct me if I mispronounce this, guys. The Vulture Man from Iru Adu? Iru Adu? Iru Adu. Okay. Well, either way, he strikes, and he's the highest ranking Imperial officer and the governor for the entire Outer Rim. Mm -hmm. So when he shows up, everyone is afraid of him, including Callus and the Inquisitor. Can I also say that when he was doing his little speech, he made it seem like the Jedi were from ancient history. <laughs> My guy, this shit went down only a handful of years ago. Then he says that he knew some of the Jedi. Like, he's pulling some weird double speak here. Like, are you a vampire, my dear sir? Like, how old are you? He this... kind of looks like one. He definitely with those starving vampires. <laughs> Absolutely. And as Just we had said earlier, he says that he knows what it takes to win a war. Um, again, my guy, that war was orchestrated and choreographed from the start. You did absolutely jack shit, except get rescued by Ahsoka and then try to kill her. What are you talking about? Seriously. Mm. It's ridiculous. When he showed up in the Clone Wars, I was like, can somebody just know, just kill him, throw him <laughs> in the lava, throw him in the lava, but no, can't have nice things. And speaking of which, it's a shame this time Tarkin evacuates when he's told. Too bad. That is such a shame. Uh, I remember I saw that part where they're like, we have to evacuate. And you see him actually get on the shuttle. And I was like, oh, you listen uh, to people this time? Like, seriously? Yeah. This might be why he doesn't listen the next time. He's like, I've already retreated once. We can't live in our moment of triumph. <laughs> uh, Another character, though, that gets some major highlights in these episodes is our little space Aladdin, Ezra. He has to deal with a lot of fear here. He is afraid to lose his whole Spectre team, his new family, by sending out the broadcast. He's not necessarily willing to just blindly get up and do this, knowing what it might cost. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want what happened to his parents to happen to his new family. And this is a super foreboding thing, because when you have an example to look at, eh, not always the best not always the best look for the future. Mm -hmm. But on the whole, he's actually doing pretty well. He's progressing as a Jedi. His relationship with Kanan is developing, who actually calls him like my Padawan as a little mm. gesture. And their whole like their whole back and forth, like, don't worry, I've got him. And the response, I think you mean I've got you. That so banter. Precious. It is really precious. And it's very Obi-Wan and Anakin like but with a little bit more warmth 
Like Obi-Wan and Anakin always had that easy banter, but this is a little bit more of a familial yes to it. Um, And I also want to give some props to Kanan for actually, without Hera's uh, egging on, recognizing when Ezra needs to talk something out and going out there and speaking to him and saying, no, let's actually talk this stuff out. Absolutely. Um, Communication. Communication. Oh my gosh. It's the sort of things that allow Ezra to do a major step up here. Sarah, you mentioned earlier the Lothcats and the ability to use them to sabotage the probe droids. A nice little callback to when Ezra was having real struggles with connecting with them. Mm-hmm. With one, like, in eye contact with him earlier, he's now able to kind of sense them out in the field. Right. And draw them to him. So cute. Hmm. Everything to do with Ezra and the animals will always just tug at my heart strings. (laughs) Getting back to Kanan, he's come a really long way, you guys. We get a little bit more backstory here when he ran away from his master who was being attacked by clones at the end of the Clone Wars on the planet Kelair. That seriously, that scene with the Grand Inquisitor gets me every time. And he's like, I know you know what your master's dying words were. And it's like, come on, he was 14. <laughs> what was he supposed Twisted. to do? He, he had to run. And yeah, the Grand Inquisitor, just now. He's, it's fine that he's dead. He also successfully wielded two lightsabers, which we don't see so very cool. often in Star Wars. We see them like pick him up and try to do it. But Anakin got his hand chopped off and just like destroyed by Dooku when he tried to do it. Anakin also should have lasted a lot longer as he does in the book. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He should have. (laughs) The Inquisitor, though, finally does capture Kanan. His one job, he finally did it. But this is only because Kanan chose to stay there and be captured instead of everybody else getting captured. So good try, Grand Inquisitor, but you failed again, for real though. Oh, these two guys too. We talked about them a little earlier. Oresco and Grant, those poor Imperial fools. Just getting decapitated. I do want, I do want to pour Inquisitor. one out for them. Like those yeah, guys. pour one out. They, they were <laughs> dummies. They didn't know really what was going on. I mean, they seemed kind of nervous that Tarkin was there, but they didn't know that they were going into that room to die. Nope. <laughs> no idea. And I thought this was interesting. Tua was obviously very concerned and like alarmed about what was happening, but so was Callus. Yes. I think he realized that his head was on the chopping block too. Like, uh, get it together. Cause, uh, yes. Yeah. He's used to being, he's used to being kind of independent with ISB. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now he's right in the thick of it. Yeah. Tarkin can get him and he knows that. It's like, Mm. And he's not doing a very good job of hiding his displeasure either, Callus, because he is doing the interrogation on Kanan first, and then he kind of gets shoved to the side for the Inquisitor to come in and try and do it. And he's just like got this look on his face, like Ugh, this guy, and he just leaves. <laughs> like, oh, Callus, we love you, love, love you now and forever. <laughs> that crazy ISB agent. <laughs> So now let's put a little bit of shine on Chopper, who also gets to spark a little little bit in these episodes. His sadness at the loss of Kanan is absolutely adorable. And his willingness to go undercover to find him is very notable, especially because Chopper is arguably 
the most independent droid that we see in all of Star Wars, though. I don't I don't think you could press R2-D2 to do anything that he doesn't want to do either. Like, let's be clear. I ain't saying that R2-D2 is a chump, but Chopper's got that <laughs> special sort of devil may care attitude. And speaking of, this is the second time he boots a droid to a fall. Chomper, you murderer. You absolute lethal mother trucker. This is the second time in like two episodes. He's just like, boom. He's like, I'm a droid, you say. I don't think so. We're not now. It's one droid. And it is me. And then he saves the day yet again. Mm-hmm. Always. And spe- speaking of someone who always saves the day, Fulcrum slash Ahsoka. Ahsoka Tano. Freaking I'm sorry. wild. Ahsoka for Quintano. <laughs> yes. Okay. So before, before I give our little summary, did you guys like try and put yourself back in the position of you watching for the first time? Because I forgot that we get to see her in the season finale. Did you guys suspect that Fulcrum was Ahsoka or were you not sure? I think Can I you- knew because of binge mode <laughs> from listening to the pods. I think I knew that she was going to show up. I didn't know when. So I was, when? I was very excited okay. when I saw her. I was like... <laughs> I don't think I knew when I first watched the episodes. I think I started watching Rebels after season three had aired before season four. Okay. Um, and I don't think I knew. I wasn't quite as like into everything as I am now. But I, I, I actually remember this time, like rewatching for this episode. I was like, wait, does she show up now? Like, is it one of those things? Like, she's that last shot or is she not until next season? And I was like super hyped as she was walking down the ladder. Down the I was stairs. just like, yes. yes, that's right. It is her. Holy crap. It's Ahsoka. We're going to talk about Ahsoka. So freaking wild. And of course she's back and looks absolutely great and is working with the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Pablo Hildago said that they knew Fulcrum would be Ahsoka from the start but they also knew that fans like us would pick up on it quickly. So that's why her voice was kind of like different, I would say, and hidden. Hidden is the Mm -hmm. word that I'm looking for. And so it's not always Ashley Eckstein voicing Fulcrum in season one. Mm -hmm. Yep, they used another actor and did the same kind of robotic voice manipulation thing because people were stripping the audio. Oh my God, I love people. (laughs) From... (laughs) Ashley's recording so they could figure out that it was her because they just wow. <laughs> you know, fans are uh we are not the deepest fans tenacious Ten- very Those tenacious fans are very tenacious <laughs> and speaking of tenacious Anders who is back yo the original big bad of Star Wars Darth Vader is back in the flesh and machinery the power dynamic between them um basically tarkin vader and the emperor kind of form this uh going by the ancient roman term i think it's the triumvirate mm-hmm. triangle of doom <laughs> yes basically um so all three of them have their own kind of strengths and things um but oh my god to see him walking down that ramp and to hear the breathing and to just be like, holy crap, this is what we're going to leave it on? 
What a teaser. What an absolute teaser to get revved up for season two. Yeah. Can you imagine not being able to click next fast (laughs) enough? No. (laughs) No. I'm streaming. (laughs) I had a hard enough time between season three and four. Like I think season four I watched basically as it was airing. Yeah. Well, speaking of season four, why don't we head to our fourth holocron, Binding the Galaxy Together. See what together. you did there. Nice transition. Yeah, you see there, what Sarah. I did there? You see that? Where we explore homages and Easter eggs of today's episodes. Colleen, why don't you start us off? Yes, excellent. The ITO interrogation droid. These droids were also called torture droids because obviously they're out there torturing people. They're using any means necessary to get information out of prisoners. They're usually villainous, but there is a good guy. ITO droid in the Alphabet Squadron books. He's a therapist. Aww. Wait, they have therapists? Yes. That's the thing? To deal this with like, trauma and stuff? <laughs> yep, this is a thing. Erica Kell is paired with this ITO droid who is her psychological helper. Like, finally, <laughs> somebody gets to see a damn therapist. Oh, man. And we just mentioned this a little earlier, those stormtroopers who got sucked out of the airlock with Chopper. The good news, their armor can withstand the vacuum of space for a time. Bad news, the oxygen supply is limited. And you can kind of see this in A New Hope when the troopers are kind of outside of the Death Star and they have those extra oxygen like canisters on their backs. It's kind of when the, when the Falcon is being tractored in and you just kind of see these guys just twiddling about on the dust or like what are you doing out there <laughs> put on a spacesuit for god's sake so they might be dead they might not be no you know what chopper is a droid therefore he is not capable of murdering people <laughs> yes i'm not there sure the, that's how it works <laughs> they're the lawyer come on you gotta you gotta tell me that that's <laughs> we're not sure about chop hi dunk love cat come here um so right from the out Right from the outset with these episodes, though, we get Tarkin arriving in a very Emperor Vader fashion. He comes in with the shuttle, the ramp comes down, everyone's kind of lined up. Thinking back to A New Hope, Return of the Jedi with the Imperial March full on in the background. It's even kind of lit in the same way as the live action films were, which is really cool. I mean, the lighting team definitely did this on purpose to pay homage to Palpy and Vader coming down that ramp. Mm-hmm. And then recycling it actually at the end of the finale with Vader accompanying him down that ramp. Mm-hmm. We also get the Imperial probe, probe droid, the ones from Empire Strikes Back with the exact same sound effects kind of going around until it's taken out by a local Loth kitty instead of by Han and his blaster. And taken um, out by a cat, that's wild. <laughs> You know, it was a couple of cats. In the the galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Very, very touche. Kanan has this line to the Inquisitor that I thought was a nice little callback. He says, we're full of surprises. Going back to Luke dueling Vader in Empire Strikes Back, where he says, you'll find I'm full of surprises. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also get that reference to Mustafar, where the Jedi go to die. Obviously, this is a pretty strong reference to Fortress Vader, which is also called Vader's Castle. He moved to Mustafar after Palpatine says he could have it as his stronghold. It was the castle's built atop a powerful dark side lo- locus. 
um, which Vader ultimately uses to try and contact Padme. I did have a question about this for you guys, though. If this, is, if Kanan knows this is where Jedi go to die, at what point does he learn that? Like, was this right. something that was kind of known before the end of the Clone Wars? Was it Mustafar kind of an off-limits type place? Oh, that's a very good question. Because Kanan obviously doesn't know a lot after the end of the Clone Wars when he's basically cut off from everything. Right. Right. It well, might here be like. Because they say that Malachor is one of the kind of forbidden places. So maybe yeah. Mustafar is like that too. Which maybe. would make it a good place for Palpatine to kind of set up shop. And, shop yeah. and, and it was Hera who was the one who said, it's the place where Jedi go to die. Yeah, but Kanan, I think Kanan, Kanan told, her, told that. her that. That's true. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, so there must be some other sort of legend that would make him say that. I mean, yeah, sure, Anakin went there to die. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't. But he did not. From a certain point of view. Yeah, from a certain point of view. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, your father, Anakin Skywalker, he's dead. Vader (laughs) killed him. (laughs) Did he, though? Well, anyway, uh, we also get a great little reference. The stormtrooper who sees Sabine during the rescue plot says, the artist is back. Love and it. This is a straight up reference to the animated short. There are four animated shorts that go along with each one for each Rebel season. The first one is called Art Attack, which involves Sabine and painting her Phoenix and blowing up a basically a shipyard full of TIE fighters. And it's amazing. Go find it on Disney Plus or on YouTube or somewhere on the internet. It's there. It's great. And it gives you a great introduction to Sabine's character. Speaking of, the TIE Fighter's back. Ezra and Zeb said that they crash-landed and destroyed the TIE Fighter, as ordered. Lie. But no, they lied, and Sabine obviously put her touch on it. It is, to use her phrase, a masterpiece. But I will also say, this kind of puts a pin in something I I wonder a lot of times when I watch like sci-fi stories with a bunch of starships and spaceships and I'm like how much do they actually see right like, how much can you actually see out in space how much are you just straight up relying on scanners until the thing is directly in front of you yeah no this kind of yeah unless it's and even then like in the void of space that thing has to be pretty close for you to physically see it absolutely i agree so it was kind of nice to see this and have them be like you know what they're not going to notice until it's in the hangar and by then it'll be too late yep i kind of like it (laughs) that's not regulation (laughs) it was nice though yeah it's great ezra also has a nice little callback kanan when he's using ezra's lightsaber has this cool move with the with the stun gun and kind of a jump flip into the saber. And Ezra's like, I never thought of that. And it's a really nice little callback to Kanan's. Mine doesn't do that when he first found out it had the stun gun. So you know he's been thinking about it and like just waiting for the opportunity to play with Ezra's toy. Like, oh, totally. Know. Yes. <laughs> and then when Ezra gets knocked down to the lower level, Kanan thinks he's perished but Kanan is taking on the Inquisitor alone now it's very dual the Fatesy from Phantom yeah. Menace mm-hmm. um, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Maul although this does turn out very differently than that one thankfully Thankfully. Mm. yep 
And then, so to peek behind the curtain a little bit, Anders and Colleen are so freaking good at spotting homages and Easter eggs. And I'm usually just like the Padawan who's just happy to participate here. And so finally I found one that these two hadn't picked up. And it is after Sabine and Zeb steal a ship in episode 15 and blow up the TIE fighters, as the dust swirls, it takes the shape of Sabine's phoenix artwork it's so pretty and it's so subtle and it's so wonderful and if you need another reason to rewatch episode 15 do it just so that you can see this little swirl mm -hmm. it is also the symbol that the crew chooses to show while ezra is making his broadcast linking the phoenix symbol to the symbol of the rebellion that we all know and salute to darn right this part, mm, we said, we talked about this a little bit with the Grand Inquisitor. He would rather die than face Vader with his failure. I mean, me too, Ooh. probably. I don't yeah. want to be force choked to my death. At this point, yeah, at least this was more like his choice of how to die. And Vader probably wasn't going to kill him. It would have been worse than death, like the Grand Inquisitor says. He wasn't known to be merciful. He was like chopping off limbs of inquisitors. He was training, gouging out eyes. That Vader, mm, super, super great teacher. Great guy, lots of patience. Oof. Definitely read those Dark Lord of the Sith comics because that is where you get to see Vader attempting to be a teacher. <laughs> Done work. So yes, bye Grand Inquisitor. Don't let the door hit in the ass on the way out. Bye. <laughs> does suck to lose Jason Isaacs, though. Very true. He was a, he was a great antagonist throughout this whole season. Mm -hmm. And we're going to miss you. Not really, but goodbye. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are heading into our fifth holocron, the newbie from Naboo. This is Flo's first time watching Rebels. Her first time getting to the finale of season oh, one. Yay! <laughs> We've tasked her with watching the episodes and then turning around and giving us her questions and her takes. So let's find out what this ambassador for Naboo thought about these episodes for today. Okay, I'm gonna run through this semi quickly as quickly as I can, I guess, which is not very fast because we do have three episodes and there was like a lot going on that we need to talk about. First thing, fucking Tarkin is so creepy. Like, <laughs> I don't know how he's that much creepier in animation, but like his face is like a mushroom. Like yeah. there is something wrong with him. Like he needs to go get checked out. His like, face is almost like the um the mask from oh. Gladiator, the helmet. I haven't seen mm. Gladiator. <gasps> what? Wait, what? what? This, is this is a whole separate thing now. <laughs> Yeah, this is a Bohemian Geek Studies like exclusive. You haven't seen the what? How could you not have seen Gladiator? I just you can't task me to watch everything for the first time. Yes, I can. <laughs> okay, apparently you can. I will watch it. We will do an exclusive. I'm sorry, like Russell Crowe in his armor is worth it flow. My like, name is when, Gladiator. When did Gladiator come out? Two thousand. It holds up. I'm, it holds I was up. ten. Was it appropriate for 10-year-olds? Absolutely I mean, not, it's... but I was I was 12, <laughs> and it was definitely, like, the first R-rated movie I saw in a theater. We got oh, to see it as a reward for doing yard work in my friend's dad's backyard. Nice. Look at you. 
Wow. Well done. Joaquin well, no, Phoenix is also it. really good in that movie. Fantastic. Okay. Noted. Noted. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving on from his creepy face. <laughs> Kanan? Kanan. Kanan has grown on me so much since episode one <laughs> where I had an issue with his eyebrows. That man riding a speeder backwards was the epitome of BDE. Like, oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> Man, and he can handle a freaking blaster for sure. I am. There are no words. <laughs> Girls, I am all in. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All in. <laughs> okay, once again, huge parallels to Mocking Jay, specifically from the Hunger Games trilogy. Um, Kanan being the hope that will spark the rebellion. You know, a lot of the same things that they had with Katniss. So that was like big for me. Sabine saying, you can have it good or you can have it fast. (laughs) Sabine. Kanan, both, please. Yes. (laughs) Just all of it. All of it. Um, I loved Ezra controlling that loth cat to attack the the probe droid. That was super, super cool. I was not expecting that at all. So that was, I thought he was going to like move the speeders with his mind. Mm -hmm. So I was not expecting the Lothcat attack. That was very cool. And he just comes um, up with it like on the spot. Like they're yeah. like, what are you doing? And he's just also, like, how did he see a Lothcat from up there? He, he didn't. He used the force. He can sense it. He can sense it. Um, he's getting like that it. good. Good job. Good job, Ezra. Um, Kanan was giving me a heart attack when he was like, I'll be right behind you. And we all knew he wasn't going to be right behind him, especially when he like, you know, lightsabered the door shut. I was like, oh, that oh. was a moment. That I know was... this is I know this is CGI, but I was looking at his butt the whole time. Like for that like two seconds when the door hey, closed, okay, I was so just T.O. like Kanan definitely has a baseball butt, yeah? Yeah. Like, I love it. Hello. I like, don't know what it. that means. Okay, girls, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know <laughs> what that means, but I understand as a woman what that okay. means. Okay. Anders, next time you watch baseball, just look at a lot of butts in baseball pants, <laughs> and it's just like, mm-hmm, yes, thank you. Thank you, like MLB catchers. <laughs> catchers' butts are just like, mm. My <laughs> husband was a catcher, I'm just saying. Nice. Like booty tooching, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just here for all of baseball season. Thank God for baseball being back. Whew. Anyways, Kanan definitely plays for, like, the Lethal cats or whatever the lethal aliens i'm not 100 sure what their team would be <laughs> so anyways very much into his butt agree sarah a million percent and then like on that same vein let's uh, quickly talk about kanan on his knees in handcuffs please whips and chains <laughs> handcuffs smack a little booty with that belt scream help say my name <laughs> Um, it did things to me. It was a problem. <laughs> like, oh dear, pause. <laughs> no, this is Disney Plus and this is animated and you need to calm down. <laughs> Animators, calm down. Was that, uh, was that your husband saying that to you, Flo? <laughs> no, that was a, <laughs> no, no. He's like, I already know how she is. Come on now. <laughs> that was uh, my inner monologue, <laughs> calming myself down. Anyways, it was great. Loved it. Also, love a cliffhanger. Perfection. So, loved, loved, loved that. Like, I had to click next on the next episode. 
Okay, episode 14, Hera just being an absolute badass, right and left, saving the day constantly. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She and Kanan definitely deserve each other. They're like so cute. I'm deceased. Okay. At this point, I was just like, you are now just teasing me with Fulcrum. Who are you? Now, yeah. at this time, I had two hypotheses, two like leading people who I thought it could be. The first was Obi-Wan. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, mostly because like at this point we like heard the voice, right? I, I knew because I know it's Star Wars, like that maybe it had like gone through a voice changer or something. And so I was like, I can't really rely on it like being a male voice, but it does sound like a male voice. That was like, Agreed. maybe Obi, like he's in hiding at this point, right? Right. So I was like, it could be like- Flo is, Flo is one of the people that they were trying to throw off with this. We were, talking, we were talking about this earlier that they had other voice actors like do the voice and put it through a thing to throw off people who were going to like that rip makes it sense. and try and like decode the voice. That makes sense. So Obi was on my list and like the male voice helped with that. And I was like, okay, it's probably Obi-Wan. I also thought it could be Ahsoka only because- and people will doubt me for this, but I swear I called it from like the first time it was mentioned because I knew she was in Rebels. And I was like, Uh, how else would they bring her in? You know, like I knew, whatever, anyways. Basically because of us. Yes, thanks a lot team. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, like pretty sure it's her, except for the male voice that really threw me off. And then I was like, well, then it could be some like random person who I don't know who like, they're just trying to F with me. Right. So anyways, at this point, I was like, just tell me. And I did not expect that they would tell me the season. So I was very pleasantly surprised in the next episode. Um, Next, Kanan getting tortured was very tough. Yes. I like really am not into torture scenes and anything. And like, I don't care. This was animated. That was rough. Seeing him just like, well, I mean, seeing him tied up was okay. But seeing him electrocuted <laughs> was not the, the business. I'm not into right. that. It's not my kink. So, <laughs> like, no thank you. Yeah, sure. I mean, light electrocuting <laughs> is fine. <laughs> that no, was a lot. Like shocks. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, chopper blasting through space was super cool. I don't know that... Have we seen a droid do that? Like, he went really fast. Like, he just, like... He uh, did. Yeah. Yeah, We've seen R2 with his little, like, booster things, but we haven't seen them, like, out in the openness of space up until this point. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we've seen R2, like, kind of on the planet's surface, but not, like, hey, I'm in the vacuum of space, just jetting through. So that was cool to see. And then Chopper is, like, probably the biggest murderer of this whole show. (laughs) Like, chopper chill out my dude they're like oh yeah cool droid and then he's like nope and just like yeeted him right off again he is like a yeet machine it's crazy so that was wild but again love his claw hands very (laughs) (laughs) okay and then finally last episode season finale sabine's redesigned tie fighter was amazing like do they sell that because i'm gonna need one absolutely like incredible that was very very cool i was not expecting that very 70s love it um kanan saying you know like the whole idea of like running not making him a coward that was huge um obviously very sad that like he's got nightmares about that that sucks so that made me feel super bad for kanan i hope we get more of that kanan like 
backstory. Like I want a flashback. Don't tell me, but I really want a flashback. That would be really great. So I want to see it. Um, the Inquisitor being surprised at Ezra's lightsaber, like his face was hilarious. He was like, what the hey? That was very cute. Loved that. Staple gun for life. That's right. Also, like, I'm assuming he's not dead. Like, don't, again, don't tell me, but that's my hypothesis. Like, I feel like he wouldn't just, like, throw himself into a fire without, like, having some sort of plan. And I feel like people never die in these things. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm stuck in the air shaft or whatever. I don't know. Stupid stuff. So I don't think he's dead. I'm assuming not. Um, Kanan blasting the Inquisitor's lightsaber with both he and Ezra's lightsabers, just, like, you know, sticking it in there. That was awesome loved it so so good uh of course the ahsoka reveal was big i'm like not as big of an ahsoka stan as the rest of you guys but it was Which still cool to wild. see her why just because you don't know her like we do <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's, true. Right. that's true i just don't i just don't know her like you guys do and it was cool it was exciting um she looked great i can't wait to see like what she does with the crew so that's very exciting mm -hmm. and then like of course my man <laughs> my, murderous my man. to a crisp murderer child murderer Late murder. body <laughs> without a body at this point <laughs> vader <laughs> so exciting that was very 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 exciting so i guess like my only question and it might just be like a clarifying question is the idea that vader is taking over the inquisitor's job I feel like that gets too much into season two territory. <laughs> okay. I feel yeah. like I feel like we would do you and our listeners a disservice okay. if we answered that outright. Okay, that was my understanding from this episode. I felt like the Inquisitor was like off the board at this point, even though I don't think he is. And then they brought Vader in. So in my thoughts, it was like, okay, so now like Vader's job is to find this like rebel cell. So that's, I think that's, that, that's a safe assumption to say that yeah, Vader is now focused see. on this particular rebel cell is a, probably a safe assumption. Okay. That's, that's what I figure. That's what it made sense, but loved hearing the breathing, loved all of it. Um, yeah. yeah how are you? Honestly, great. <laughs> I, yeah, I like, honestly can't believe that I made it through season one. Like I didn't think I would enjoy it so much because like getting through season one of Clone Wars was like, that was a, a slog. slog. Yeah. Ooh, so getting through this one was easy and smooth. And I was just like, amazing. Loved it. So now usually, usually people's least favorite season. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Season one of Game of Thrones is pretty good. <laughs> so definitely. definitely. How many seasons of this are there? There are four, four. baby. Okay. Excellent. Can't wait. Let's do it. Now, now, Flo, to kind of move us into the six holocron conjecture okay. at the cantina, I want to ask a Flo specific question instead of like a Star Wars universe question. Okay. For our you. coverage. Yeah, I know. Right. How dare I? <laughs> For the Mandalorian, one of the things that we talked about was kind of like, how often do I look at my phone during this? That's kind of like the flow rating <laughs> yeah. scale. How often did you find yourself reaching for your phone or reaching for a distraction? Okay, so unlike for Mando, which like, I felt like I could rely on you guys a lot more because I didn't have my own holocron. 
I felt like I had to take notes for these. So my phone was actually not in the room with me for all of these, which was great. Wow. Um, okay. This... <laughs> so Mando season three, we know to make sure to give Flo as much responsibility as yeah, possible. Yeah, if you I give me responsibilities, then I will rise to the challenge. So for all of these, um, I took notes in my notebook, which is mm -hmm. here. Except for these three, which I did not have my notebook with me because I watched them at my parents' house. So I actually had to type directly on the computer and it was like very distracting. So I will definitely be going back to my notebook for sure. Yes. Um, and yeah, so that I am very focused on my color coded notes. I go with two colors alternating for readability and uh, yeah, Ravenclaw. <laughs> Ravenclaw. <laughs> The answer is I did not look at my phone for any of Rebels season one. That's cheers. Perfect. That's perfect. Huzzah. That's such a good cheers right there. Mm. Well, Colleen, God, why? Look at your koozie. What is happening over there? That's my Chewbacca koozie. <laughs> <laughs> I am also at my parents and I happen to have left this one here. It's perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfection. Well, Colleen, why don't we move on to one of my favorite components of this final holocron. What did Filoni and the crew have to say about these episodes? Mm. I love this portion. I, I do too. This is like the insider view kind of stuff, which is like, yeah. well, yay. Well, if you're thinking that droid that Chopper booted out of the ghost is living with the Lathcats, no. <laughs> Dave Filoni told Rebels Recon host Andy Gutierrez that the crew decided that his battery ran out before he could get anywhere. Oof. He's not dead. Like, they could boot him back up if somebody found him, but he's like freaking a planter out there right now. <laughs> or a cat tower. Just chilling out there in Lothal. Um, which is super sad. But sometimes that happens. Like This one, though is a big one. We ask ourselves this a lot. Andy asked Pablo Hidalgo that question that has tormented Star Wars fans pretty much since the prequels came out. Why the hell does no one remember the Jedi? Yeah. Well, Tarkin, yeah. Tarkin remembers, yes. but it was so long ago. So long ago. Even though I knew them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they haven't been gone that long. No. But Pablo said that He's like reminding us there weren't that many Jedi. There were only 10,000 during the Clone Wars in the entire galaxy. And we kind of don't think in terms of how many people are in the galaxy, really. So I looked it up. I, I used my one Ravenclaw power that I have, which is research. <laughs> and how many people are in the Star Wars galaxy? According to the Star Wars Essential Atlas, there are approximately 100 quadrillion i don't even know people. that number i'm not embarrassed to say yes. i literally don't even know that number i i was like how what <laughs> 100 quadrillion sentient beings living in the galaxy so if you think about it ten thousand out of 100 quadrillion most people would never have seen a jedi people in the outer rim don't have good communications networks set up so all they hear are like rumors and stories and maybe somehow seeing a news clipping on the hollow net. About How many Jedi. billions are in a quadrillion? Do you know? I don't know. We, I just will, know put, we will put the number quadri hundred like quadrillion onto our Instagram. So many. <laughs> right, so the, a quadrillion is 1,000 trillions. 
and a trillion is a thousand billions. See, okay, so that makes yeah. So yeah, yeah. So many people in the galaxy. God. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned earlier, like, Tarkin talking about the Jedi leaping from pages of history. It, it's really not that long ago. What I found really interesting, though, is we also had Minister Tua's here. Tarkin asked her, do you know what happened to the Jedi? And she's like, well, there were rumors, mm-hmm. which actually gives us a good sense of what the general populace of the galaxy might have actually thought. And that's one of the things similar they're like how do people not know like what do people think happened to end the clone wars and right people really told them yeah people really just don't know especially in the outer rim like they were so out of the loop with everything yeah. they're not plugged quite as deeply into the hollow net with things no. um a couple of other interesting things i found in this episode i don't know if you guys think that these things are as cool as i do but those Imperial Carrier gunships, the LAAT patrol ships, I just think they look super cool. The ones that are carrying them, they have, I can't even say what it looks like, but the way that the wings kind of curve and everything just looks super cool to me. These Andrew's were fish- likes a curvy ship. That's, uh, that's what's clear from that. Damn straight. <laughs> He's like, shut up, Sarah. Damn straight. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm Nothing saying gets Dan- Anders going like a good curve on his ship. Damn straight, yeah. Give me car. those, uh, give me those, <laughs> give me those sleek Nebu starfighters all the time. Ooh, yeah, nice curves. Mm-hmm. But these ships were officially introduced during the Clone Wars as the Republic's first ever police ship. Mm, um, the later, the Empire <laughs> adopted them, but. You know, the Empire was a little bit more liberal in their use of the kind of quote-unquote police part of that. And one other thing I actually wanted to draw attention to, this is like an insanely small detail that I noticed on this on this rewatch. When Ezra cuts their way into the Star Destroyer to rescue Kanan, he like puts his hand on the inside of the hole and he does like one of these like, oh, ow, because it's... It's hot, obviously. He's just melted his way through there, and it's just like a tribute to the animators at how much their attention to detail would be. Yeah, I noticed that. Put that in, and I was like, finally, somebody (laughs) does that because, like, why is that never a thing? Like, he just melted metal, and people do that all the time in Star Wars, and they're just like, yeah, it's fine. Ezra's like, nah, bitch, it's hot. (laughs) Exactly. There are so many little details in Rebels that I love. That kind of stuff. So good. And one of the best details that I found from these is actually during the big fight with the Inquisitor, Ezra and Kanan switch lightsabers. This whole master and apprentice, like Kanan had drawn attention to the fact that they were in this together and learning from each other earlier. And then they switch sabers for the fight. And it's just so cool. Oh, I just got chills, actually. I was expecting like a throw the lightsaber over like switcheroo back at some point, but it didn't happen. I wasn't mad about it. I was just, I wasn't no. expecting it. And then Kanan showing that he's learning from his apprentice uses the stun gun. Yeah. As we said earlier, and it's just such a good, it's such a good sequence. It's such a good fight. Mm-hmm. His oh. moves against the Inquisitor are insane. When he thinks Ezra's dead, he's like, well, everything that i love is now gone so i'm gonna kill you (laughs) harris got something to say about that well yes (laughs) he says he has nothing left to fear i don't think he fears for harris safety quite as much as like you're gonna take care of herself (laughs) 
Sarah will be fine. <laughs> uh, but Sarah, what about you? What did you think about these? So I have a question and I wanted to know, I know we've talked about Chopper's murder count. It's a lot. But it's I would like for us to focus on Tarkin's murder count. Like when comparing and contrasting with Vader, who we know is going to be a big threat, who we've already seen as a big threat, how many people do you think Tarkin has actually flat out murdered? And obviously he's not the one kind of doing it on his own. He always commands someone else to do it. But like, what's his body count up to? Do we have a rough estimate? I, <laughs> yeah, it's high. I, this is the part of me is... that should have been a lawyer. Sarah is going to ask you to clarify Okay, okay. Because I feel like there is a distinction between what goes down in these episodes with like being him just like sub subtly signaling the Inquisitor who beheads the two guys right in front of him. Yeah. To Tarkin's, I want to say his bread and butter, which is a quote unquote trial and quote unquote execution. Mm. Like something in a more, Legal. at least on paper, legal and official capacity. Okay, okay. That he just kind of has people executed. <laughs> Ew, I feel really gross saying let's not include the legal one because I totally wouldn't think that any of those murders were legal. But let's take it out of the justice system and talk about Tarkin just kind of making that executive call by himself outside of the system of law and a yeah. ostensible order. He's definitely not a dirty my own hands kind of killer but he is the impetus for so many people dying yeah. that it's on his head. Like Alderaan is on his head. Yeah. All of those people are dead because of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a I huge mean, body count right there. Just I think it's still less than Chopper though. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There is, there is a number for how many people Chopper has. Oh. Tarkin. We'll Tarkin. tell you at the Tarkin. end. Tarkin okay. may have uh, Tarkin may have been there, like ordering Alderaan, but Chopper was actually like in the in the thing, being like, you know what, those guys shaded me once. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even shade him, and he'll still kill people. <laughs> yeah, right. He's a very jealous sob. That little Chopper. He really I like is. absolutely. <laughs> well, moving on to my next question, we learned that there are more rebel units throughout the galaxy. They just don't know about each other yet. Even when Bail Organa and Mon Mothma start trying to unite the factions, it's really difficult to get everyone to agree on strategy. How many rebel cells do we think have cropped up during this time? Mm. If we could make an educated guess. Tarkin mentions several rebel cells, and I was just wondering if we had kind of an educated guess at this early point in time. What do you guys think? We know of at least one. <laughs> Saw. At least one. Saw Guerrera is like the, the outskirts of the rebellion. He's and, probably the biggest, most well-known one. Yeah, and I'm not saying each of these have... Not, not each of these have a cell by any means, but we do know that the original kind of coalition that would that would become the rebellion, Bail Organa, Padme, oh, if her scenes weren't cut from Revenge of the Sith, and Mon Mothma came together and they had what was called, Colleen, correct me on the number here, it's the Coalition of 2000. 
It's either or it 200 or 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two. Remember. There's a two in there. I couldn't remember if it was 2,000 or 20,000. So I think it's 2,000. I don't of- think Bale or Mon Mothma sign it. Mm-hmm. They're like the secret people behind it. Yeah. It's this treaty that was basically a coalition of about 2,000 star systems who were signing this letter that were saying, hey, Palpatine, this is right before he becomes the emperor. Mm. Hey, Palpatine, you need to like give back some of this authority. Yeah. And okay, that- so- and end According to Wikipedia, it is the delegation of 2000. There we go, 2000. Yep. Um, You're welcome, Ravenclaw. Bought <laughs> it. <laughs> As but a fellow yeah. Ravenclaw, definitely. I support this. There um, was, there were active cells. I'm sure that those 2000, when he became emperor, were then like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that there were plenty who were just like, well, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the original onus of fighting back. And cool. the main leaders of that delegation became the leaders of the rebellion. I like that question. I I mean, and they don't know a lot about each other. There are probably like sanctioned rebel cells who are with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. And then there are probably other little pockets in the universe right. with people who are rebelling. Right who don't know about any sort of larger gathering, like the freaking Mon Calamari are building their ships right now. And they're not really part of anything quite yet. They're like kind of getting to know the rebellion, but they started to change their ships before they were in the rebellion. So there's And we've even met a couple, I mean, we've met a couple, we met Zare. Yeah, Zare. Who was willing to try and undermine the empire wherever he could rebel a little bit had mm. no idea of anything beyond himself yeah. right which is cool we need to bring these people together hope everybody has hope we are strongest when we stand as one mm-hmm. speaking this of someone one. who brings someone together visago colleen what's your question <laughs> on this guy Ooh, yeah do we think that he is going to be a stick it to the empire kind of person can he be trusted with the information that ezra gave him about them being Jedi. I'm going with a no. <laughs> yeah, I would go with a big hard pass. Like, I mean, here's the thing. If he can use that information to do something to benefit himself, Visago's going to look out for the big V. That's what I have to say. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Ooh. On a co- okay. for, a couple of di- for a couple of different reasons. Number one, Visago has made it this far in his career without getting caught. Okay. So he obviously knows how to avoid the Empire when need be. True. Number two, at this point, the Empire already knows this information. So what's the freaking harm? Does Visago know that the Empire knows, though? No. No. But I think he also wants to keep Ezra's favor in his oh, of course. back pocket. That would be the only thing I think that would Yeah, we're getting hints from. at this point about like that these guys just do cr- that these rebels do like crazy shit and it seems to work out. And I think Visago knows that they are worth having in his back pocket. Yeah. They're profitable. The instant I- they become unprofitable. <laughs> I feel like I'm not so much worried about Visago selling that information or whatever to the Empire, but rather to like bounty hunters who like may not know and like would rather like just take matters into their own hands or like deliver them to the empire so like i don't think he's gonna like call up 
like Tarkin and be like, hey, guess what I found out? Because Tarkin's going to be like, yeah, no, I already know. Right. But I, you know, just like more worried about like people who would find them for some sort of bounty. I agree. I agree, Flo. That's a very good call. Thanks. I like it. Well, my last question is, does Fulcrum come from anything or mean anything? What does this code name like? Is Fulcrum just plucked out of the air or where does it come from? Mm -hmm. I love this. This is one of my favorite connectivity kind of things that happens with Clone Wars and Rebels and Rogue One. It was Anakin's personal communications network during the Clone Wars. Where he Anakin... and Padme had their uh, fireside chats. Mm-hmm. Lots of pairs sexy, were involved. Sexy fireside <laughs> chats that Rex knew about. Good job, Rex. Anakin in the Clone Wars episode thinks that it's Saw Gerrera who's calling him using the fulcrum name and the network when it actually turns out to be Ahsoka. So Ahsoka chose this as her kind of rebel call sign in the novel, her novel Ahsoka, which is like, it's a good thing that she's like, she doesn't know that Vader is Anakin. Otherwise, Anakin Vader would probably be like, Fulcrum, that's an interesting call sign. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he never really finds out, I don't think, because there are multiple fulcrums. Oh, <clears throat> what? Because Cassian is active at this time too, and he is also fulcrum. Mm -hmm. So they're using this code name with multiple different contacts so that it confuses the Imperial intelligence. So they're like, wait, we just heard about a fulcrum in the outer rim, and then there's one in the mid rim. There's probably one in Coruscant. Like there's fulcrums just all over the damn place. Which I think is a that is taken from like actual history, like CIA spy tactics, Cold War type deal, that mm -hmm. multiple people would use the same code name. Yep. Huh. It keeps them safe. Like if one of them is caught, then all of a sudden another fulcrum pops up and the Empire's like, what's going on? We caught all the fulcrums. We caught fulcrum. No, you didn't. Good try though. I'm just here for all of the Cassian content. <laughs> Give it all to me. 2022, 2023 flow. I'm ready. Well, perfect. Well, I think this is a great place for us to end a wonderful season one. Join us again next week as Anders gets really excited and we salute and dive into a Rebels season two. Burr, burr, burr. Yeah, characters coming. Until next time, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes, enjoy Colleen's book corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature, and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because that really does help. And remember, you can also head to forgottenentertainment.com to check out all of the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family including, drumroll please, yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with co-host Daniel and some special guests you may recognize, are examining the films in Star Wars canon. Until next time, staple guns up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>